Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Favorite Christmas song. Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas. Come on. That's the best song. Let it snow. Uh, anything Mariah Carey. That album. What? unexpected does frozen count <laughs> no it does not no it doesn't just count because it's, it's snow and it's movie. cold and it's supposed to be christmas it doesn't count <laughs> yeah i i do like this though and m- maybe we understand now why the jets are so bad they're worried about things other than football oh stop football it christmas stop I'm, it. I'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding they're 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 so bad for other reasons entirely the Jackson 5 Christmas album, I almost listened to that last night. I'll go down to the barn a couple of nights a week just to kind of get away, relax a little bit, have a beverage, maybe once or twice a week, smoke a little cigar. But the, uh, um, I, 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 was, I have been this month trying to force myself against my nature into the spirit of the season. Right. On the streaming service that I have, I'll look for different Christmas albums. And sure. everybody's got a Christmas album. Everybody who's ever had a hit, even Dexie's Midnight Runners, have a Christmas album. Although I don't think that they parlay, parlayed their 
classic from the early 80s, Come On Eileen, into a Christmas album. It seems like everybody's got one. Yeah. Elvis has one. Frank Sinatra has one. Michael Buble's Christmas album is awesome. I saw the Jackson 5 Christmas album. I almost played it last night. Tonight, if I'm down there, I will be playing it. On, on the recommendation of that Jets player who said the 60s Jackson 5 Christmas album is the one to listen to. You know so what? I don't know if I've one. ever listened to that one. I need, to, I need to check that out. That that probably is pretty damn good. I mean, I'm like a traditional. All right, so wait. So go ahead. First off, I like that the Jets did this, right? What they do earlier in the year? They did something about Thanksgiving, and they've done a few. This has been creative. But was it them or was it another team? Uh, they did, like it was another they team. did something earlier in the year too, but I can't remember anymore. Damn, we talk and do too much. But what? Like, so like, oh. if you had to boil it down, though, like, what, what are we listening to? Like, what's what's the the guy or the song where you're like, all right, let me start it off right here. This is my gem. What is it for you? It depends. It it changes for me every year. It really does. And I, I listen to, for example. They did the compilations back in the 90s, I think it was. The very special Christmas where they would sell the albums and they'd raise money for whatever cause they were raising money for. And it was yeah, all of the very popular yeah. artists of the day. There's a, a one, two, and a three. I'll listen to them. I still like those. They still hold up very well because they're Christmas songs. But sure. they're done in a, in a different kind of a way. Some songs good, some songs not. But I mentioned Michael Buble. Awesome Christmas. I've heard good things about his album. Yeah. 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 Very very good. Very good. So it it just it just depends. Every every year is uh um you know a different vibe. There's a there's a, a country compilation I tripped over this year, and there's a Blake Selt uh, Blake Shelton song called Christmas Eve that is awesome, and it's one of those that kind of bangs around in your head all day long right. after you're down in the barn listening to Christmas music. So I'm into it this year. Good. I forced myself to get into it. Be. And I'm into it. Damn. I mean, so you're telling me the Grinch stole Christmas is not your favorite song and movie this year. That's what you're saying. You're saying you're feeling cheerful. <laughs> I no, that's I, I that's a good that one. soundtrack from time to time. <laughs> it is a good I, one. When I was a kid, and I know we got plenty to talk about today, but let me tell you, when that's I was all right. a kid, the Grinch was my favorite. And maybe that tells you something about me. It was my favorite uh, <laughs> Christmas show by far. No, none. no. <laughs> I just I love the story, and maybe yeah, it, it, good. it shows that there's that even for an ass like me, right? There's hope. There's a, there's a chance. The redemption story that happens just like that. Uh, look happens. at that. It fits perfect. It fits perfect. You look, but, it looks but, natural. <laughs> it, it it I I I always looked forward to it, and back when. And I know I'm inviting the piano music, but back when we had no way to record the signals that were being pumped into our home on three channels, you had to be in front of the TV Friday night at 8 o'clock. You had one chance per year, one shot, right. one opportunity to watch The Grinch. No matter how badly you yeah. wanted to see it again, yeah. you got it once per year and you had to deal with it. Unless you were going to find the master tape somewhere and get some special TV studio equipment in your home, you were only seeing it once per year. And it's so odd now. I came across I it recently. I don't know who has the rights to it. I think it was on Peacock. I'll just say it was on Peacock. There's plenty of Christmas selections on Peacock. And it's like, you can watch it whenever I want to. And you know what? When you can watch something whenever you want to, you don't really want it to. It takes away from it. It's only when it's only when you can't watch it that you want to watch it. But it is on Peacock. Pe Pete says it's on Peacock. So right. at some point today, I will watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 
all over again. It is a good story. I'll, I'll give you that. That that's definitely up there. Um, I I, I always want to watch like the old claymation. I want Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Rudolph, like the old claymation, old one, right? They they're the same thing. They only come on like once a year, and it was I think on recently, and you miss it, and it's like okay, then I guess I got to go to some app and maybe try to find it there. But gotta listen to Bing Crosby, gotta listen to Nat King Cole. And gotta watch Christmas Vacation before Christmas Day. Like it's it's like I have to do that. That that's my thing. And I have been playing. I'm like you. I've started the Christmas music the other night. Even Thursday night when the game was on a little bit, we turned the Christmas music on as we were kind of decorating the tree and stuff. It was cool. It gets you in the gets you in the Christmas spirit. I still never watched Christmas Vacation. Oh, you need to watch that. That's a, it's a classic. I mean, come on, Clark W. Griswold trying to get the lights up at the house. It, it's the best Christmas vacation. It's the best, yeah, uh, what the hell do they call those? Uh, I don't even know vacation. what that. Yeah, na- National Lampoons, right? Yes. National Lampoon. It's right. the best one, in a, my a, opinion. A long-defunct magazine that continued to license the name as a way to market movies. Like, you needed to have National Lampoons on the front of the title so people would know it's a comedy. Otherwise, we're not going to know it's a comedy. So we got to pay. I didn't know a that. magazine that doesn't even exist anymore. There used to be a magazine called National huh. Lampoon, and that's that's where all those National Lampoons. This, I actually think, I I may be wrong, and there's a good chance I am. I kind of feel like Animal House originally was National Lampoons. Animal oh, you House. might be. All right, I, I feel like I might have seen that in front of that title before too. Um, I it can't be better than Bad Santa. It can't be better than Bad Santa. Oh, yeah. I know you love that. It, I know. Bad Santa. And now, Bad Santa is not a heartwarming Christmas movie, although there is a story of redemption, much like The Grinch. But, uh, <laughs> There's a theme here. Santa experiences. There's a theme. <laughs> but but, but the, the kid in the original Bad Santa, now the sequel that they made like 15 years later, is not good. The original Bad Santa is awesome, and Thurman Merman is one of my all-time favorite. That kid should have won... The Best Supporting Actor Oscar for that year. I don't know what the competition was. He should have been nominated. He should have won. That kid is so good. We will watch that movie once a year. My son and I will go down to the barn and watch it. And we laugh our asses off at Thurman Merman. And it's great because he just says dumb things to the point where Bad Santa, played by Billy Bob Thornton, thinks the the kid's messing with him. Is That's that rated R? Is, is Bad Santa rated it's, R? Yeah. Hey, kids, well, come on and Santa. get around the fire. Let's decorate the tree and <laughs> listen to oh, Billy wait a Bob minute, Thornton. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. As if your kids would hear anything different <laughs> well, my from kids. what they've been hearing from you since they were in diapers. Right. You're right. I'm not arguing my kids. I'm not arguing my kids. You're right. My well, you kids. You said kids. I know. Well, I was trying to talk to all those kids out there watching the show right now. But yes, you're right. Don't I'm not holding my kids to that standard. We've already, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Just uh, we we've infiltrated my kids' minds with badness already, so they're already lost. Well, <laughs> they'll enjoy it then. Thurman Merman and company. Cloris Leachman is great in that movie. That movie's just hilarious and awesome from start to finish. Bernie Mac, for example, excellent in that. Just he is great. excellent in it's that. Great. Yep. Great, great movie from start to finish. All right. Uh, we're talking about Christmas from start to finish of the show. Let's pivot to far more sobering topics, unfortunately. The uh, the COVID situation in the NFL getting not any better. We've got 75, according to Shefty, who have been put on the COVID-19 reserve list for testing positive. These names you see there are just the players who landed 
on COVID reserve for testing positive on Monday. Jeez. Tuesday, Chris Jones, Chiefs defensive tackle. Oh. He's he's uh, most likely a guy we're not going to see Man. on Thursday night when the Chargers host the Chiefs. You've got eight in all Browns who landed on COVID reserve yesterday. The Browns and the Rams, and I think other teams, are in the intense protocols and the, the extra testing and, and really trying to get this thing under control. We're seeing multiple outbreaks at the same time. And this isn't good. It, it I, There isn't any one team that is currently teetering toward kind of that critical mass of what are we going to do? Now the Browns play the Raiders on Saturday this week, so they're really up against yeah. it. But, you know, Chris, at some point the NFL is going to have to resolve this question that I don't know the answer to. Between 11 and 40, what's the minimum number of players that a team can be expected to suit up and play with? 46 is the game day minimum. 47 now. You can go with 48 if the eighth, if you have an eighth offensive lineman. So, you know, you, you've had situations in the past. I think Coach Dungy's talked about this. One game with the Colts, he had so many injuries back when it was 46 or 47. I think it was 46 at the time. He didn't have enough healthy players, and you just got to suit up who you can. Right. How many below 45, 40, 35? Where's the magic number where the NFL says it's not safe to have that number of players available to play in a game and I think the NFL does not want to find that out no. the hard way no probably definitely not uh, you know I, I I guess hey there's got to be a certain number right where they look at and go okay this isn't good I think the other thing that maybe plays into that too is just you know what what positions are going to be decimated or unavailable you know that that's something I think that also would probably play in a fact of like a, a fact of this as far as hey you know hey we got, we have 40 players Right, but we we're missing our whole offensive line, and that's like, what, what are we gonna do? That that's where you get, I think, into a little bit of what you're saying about the protection of players. We're talking about the era of protecting quarterbacks. You can't even touch anybody with a fingernail as you walk by them anymore. Let alone now, we're not gonna like let the whole offensive line. You know, the whole offensive line's not gonna play, and you can barely scrap together an offensive line through the. Uh, practice squad and whatever guys on the streets at this time. I mean, again, that 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 to me would probably be the nail in the coffin. Is when you got a certain position that gets decimated, along with the number being somewhat low too. Uh, I would think that would get the attention of three forty five Park and go. Wait, this is not only a competitive disadvantage, which I don't think they're totally care about, but this is dangerous for the players if we don't have you know all five starting offensive linemen for the Cleveland Browns and two of their backups are also on the COVID list. Oh no, now we only have two or three to play and we're going to have to get strangers to tape this thing together. That would be the time I think the NFL has to step in. There was a thought last year heading into the season that the NFL would actually consider that game by game, case by case. If a team doesn't have enough offensive linemen, are we going to allow them to not play in this game? Are we going to postpone it, delay it? There was much greater willingness entering the season to consider moving pieces around on the chessboard of the of the 17 week season. Uh, then there then there ultimately became I think they realized once you start down that path how do you ensure equity and fairness and consistency and they just got to the point where they recognized we've got 69 total players that are available 53 on the roster 16 on the practice squad any number of practice squad players can be called up to replace players who are COVID positive 
up to an hour and a half before kickoff. You've got maximum roster flexibility. It's up to you to make sure you have enough players available. It's up to you to make sure that you're making sure your players are doing smart things like you know what we saw in Denver last year where there was the report that the quarterbacks all took off their tracking devices and put them in separate corners of the room so they could huddle together and watch film and they all got knocked out of the same game and uh, they had to go with uh, was it Kendall Hinton was that the guy the non-quarterback who had to play quarterback against the Saints so the NFL just doesn't care if you haven't planned your roster to have enough guys at any given position. The question is, how few players are too few? Like if you have to start going a Troy Brown playing defense on a regular basis, you know, like we, we've, we've yeah, seen Bill sure. Belichick do that from time to time because of shortages. But if you have to have guys regularly going both ways, if you're down near to the point where you only have 25 guys, I mean, I, it hasn't gotten that bad yet, and I don't think it will. But that's the absolute minimum. I don't know what the absolute minimum is, but the NFL has to have had these conversations. They had to. And Chris, they're having an ownership meeting today, so yeah, it's it's an ideal time for them to really take a step back and ask themselves what they're doing and how they're going to ensure that all these games are going to be played as scheduled in a way that has competitive integrity. I don't like the idea that there's this vague possibility. Although, what can you do about it? That you know, a high-profile player is going to be knocked out of a of a significant game a couple of hours before kickoff. No, I know. You know, Mike. I, I mean, I, I feel like it. It's we almost got to go back into like lockdown mode as far as the NFL is concerned a little bit, or get back to maybe you know some of the 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 procedures that were taken when it was you know early on last year and it was full-fledged COVID and. We didn't know what to expect, right? I mean, we're getting – when's that date that hits where we go to the different level of testing and everybody for everyone? That's coming up, right? We didn't pass that already, did we, as far as the NFL? It was Thanksgiving week. They had enhanced protocols yeah, because they right. understood that people were going to have family in town, et cetera. But, but you're right. Look, the, the, that needs the to protocol start. They need to keep that going, right? Go ahead. For vaccinated players, yeah. the protocol for vaccinated players, which was aimed at getting a maximum number of players to choose to get the jabs, that has logical flaws in it. It always has. Yeah. Originally, they're going to test those players once every two weeks. Now they test them once a week. So for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who played Monday night and tested positive on Tuesday, and I don't know what time of the day he tested positive, but you're not going to convince me he wasn't positive during the game. Sure. And T.J. Watt tested positive on Monday. Right. And... The virus was out of his system on Friday because he had two negatives. One Friday, one Saturday, and was able to play against the Ravens in Week 13. Yeah. You can't tell me he wasn't positive. He may have been symptomatic the day before against the Bengals, but he just dealt with it. Yeah, right, right. If a player doesn't self-report symptoms, unless he is clearly, clearly in the throes of some sort of distress due to the symptoms of the virus, I don't think teams have hall monitors who are taking temperature and did you no. sniffle was that a sniffle right did i did i hear are you are you having upper respiratory symptoms that you're not sharing with us they're just not wired to do that no so yeah tj i mean p- players are playing while they're positive and this gets back to the point that i've been making that it at some point they just have to say if you're asymptomatic and you're positive we're not going to keep you from playing maybe because players are already playing 
Yeah. Who are positive. And we see. Who've been vaccinated. Right. We'll see. I mean, again, we, we have enough evidence. Like, I was looking at some of the comments under one of your articles yesterday on Pro Football Talk, and people still... Oh, that's your first mistake. Well, I know. It is a mistake, but people still don't understand that, like, with, you know, they think the virus is being passed on the field, you know, and I want to be like, well, it's not. It's not. Again, we have plenty of evidence to know that outside and open doors, open air, whatever, it's very unlikely it just doesn't happen. And again, this is this is going to prove it because we're going to see like I, I, I'll be surprised if we see anybody on Arizona. Let's see if they get an outbreak or anybody who, you know, Cleveland last week against Baltimore. We haven't had anybody test positive there yet. You know, so I want to tell like some of those people, like, get a clue, read something, figure out like we, we know some things, you dumb idiots. All right. Then the other thing is you're right, though. The players aren't certainly certainly are not going to say anything. I mean, if I was playing football and a quarterback and I was walking in on a, okay, I'm vaccinated, I'm being tested every other week, I'm going in on a day where, yeah, I got the sniffles and I don't feel really good. It feels maybe like I got a cold or whatever. I'm not telling anybody. I'm not going to go, oh, hey, hey, I'm, I need to take a test. I, I might have COVID. Like, the, the, no player is going to volunteer for that. They're just going to suck it up and go as long as, like you're talking about, the symptoms aren't so dramatic where you feel like, oh, man, I'm like bedridden. I got to go lay down. I'm miserable, which I'm sure there has been cases of that as far as guys in the NFL. But I, I think anything else other than that, you know, the Odell Beckham Juniors, the TJ Watts of the world, if they woke up on game day and felt less than, they're, they're going to go, what? Uh, great. I don't give a damn. I'm playing football today. That's what they feel like they're put on earth for. And there's just no stopping that. Um, until maybe they change protocols here. Ben Roethlisberger did tap out and alert the team that he had symptoms. He wasn't feeling well a few weeks ago, and he was praised for that, as he should have been. Now, he also, several years ago, did that during a game when he was having concussion symptoms. He he alerted it, the team to it, and, and was removed from the game. Not every player has that confidence in his job, though, in his That's position, right. in right. his status, to do that beyond the fact that you love the sport and you want to play you don't want to let someone else go out there and show that hey that guy that guy's as good as sims and we're yeah. paying that guy a hell of a lot less That's right hmm maybe that guy should be our quarterback instead of sims that's part of what drives guys to play no and doubt. conceal symptoms and say i'm going to be fine and again there's no evidence whatsoever that it transmits during games. So I, I know that it it tiptoes toward hot take territory, but one of the reasons I keep saying it is to illustrate how ridiculous it is to test guys once a week. You're testing them a day after a game. You're finding out they're positive a day after a game. Well, they were positive during the game yeah, then. Sure. No, you're right. So I, why are we yeah. doing that? Why right. aren't we testing everyone before every game? That so I, I just the whole thing, the whole thing seems odd to me. It's flawed. And I think that's the bottom line. This year, I feel like there's a lot of form over substance. There's been indications that they really aren't interested in getting to the bottom of certain things. Yeah. Like, And they let Aaron Rodgers show up for his press conferences without a mask on, even though it's a clear violation of protocol. And they, they, they aren't tracking down fake vaccination cards. I feel like a lot of it is just done for yeah, political and PR reasons. Right, right. And it's starting to collapse on them. That's the problem. They need to pivot from the political and the PR reasons for what they're doing into something that is aimed at getting this thing under control and finding a way, the sweet spot, between managing the virus, protecting people who need to be protected, yep. but also allowing guys 
to go out if they're asymptomatic uh, and happen to be positive to let them go out and play. The current protocol is letting guys every week play who are positive. We just don't know they're positive yet. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They gotta they gotta figure something out. They do. You know, I, I mean, I don't know where where that sweet spot is. Uh, uh, you know, to to your point, but I, I do look at it and go, hey, just as a guy that loves football, we all love football. The NFL, we root for the NFL. We want it to be successful. We want the best product on the field. We know the owners and coaches want that too. And here we are, you know, middle of December and things are getting dicey. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see some team that, like, I look at and go, man, they're a playoff football team and all of a sudden they're not in the playoffs here because they lose the last two or three games of the year because of COVID and issues of that nature. And then that ruins the playoffs for all of us because now some team that really shouldn't have been in gets in, and now they're down by 40 in the first round. And we go, well, see, this is why the hell we didn't want them in. They shouldn't have been here. That hurts the product on the field. I don't want to then flow over to the playoffs either and have teams not at their best then. Nobody wants to see that, right? I mean, I'm already disappointed that there's no Chris Jones on Thursday night. Chris Jones, arguably, I mean, Chris Jones is the best player on, on the field, both teams probably right now. I mean, you know, minus the quarterbacks, and Mahomes isn't on fire as of late anyways. Herbert, we know he's playing good, but, man, that stinks. It's the Chargers. It's the Chiefs. It's a fight for the AFC West. It's positioning in the playoffs. We're not going to have Chris Jones. He's the best defensive player in the game. He's the best He's the best player maybe in the whole game, and that that's going to be a game changer for the Chiefs, and I, I don't like that. You know, I want to see these teams at their best. The uh, issue is not going to go away, no. and again, the owners are together today. It's an opportunity for them to try to figure this out, and uh, just the mere fact that we've had so many positives this week makes it clear Ooh, there's an it's issue crazy. that they need to they need to they need to get it under control. And Chris, I, I've been talking in the past day or so about the bubble concept, maybe for the postseason. There's strong resistance to it by the players. There was last year, yeah, and there will be this year. But you know what, the team that does the best job going forward. We said this last year. We did. The team that does the best job of managing the virus and limiting the positives is going to be in the best position to thrive. And what did the Buccaneers do? Was it ever an issue with the Buccaneers last year? And you you got Tommy Chase in number eight, and he sees this as an opportunity too. If we can handle it and others can't, that's a strategic advantage for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for a team like the New England Patriots, they don't have an outbreak right now either. Yeah. All these, th all these, you know, from the the parody, all the stuff, the COVID, it it just is pointing toward Buccaneers Patriots because as the challenges mount, especially with COVID, those are going to be two teams that are uniquely positioned to have the commitment necessary to do what they have to do to keep their guys from getting. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do. I mean, yeah, they, they seem to be the two that have always kind of been on the ball with with this subject for the, for the most part. They really have. Um, you know, I, what I'd be interested to, you know, again, I, I think your point's real. You know, I'd love to know, you know, how many of these guys, right, got this not – you know, at the facility, but what they're doing after practice, hanging out. You know, again, I, you know, hey, Jalen Ramsey got it, and now Jordan Fuller, the safety, got it for the Rams, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s got it. Were they all, you know, hanging out maybe last Friday night, whatever, went to a bar, hanging out at someone's house in the living room, watching a basketball game, drinking beers, whatever. You know, the old lineman for the Browns, you see that. Austin Hooper involved in that. You know, I, I would think there's some connecting the dots between that too, to maybe be able maybe to be able to prove to the players to a degree like, hey, this is where I know we're 
you know, feeling better about COVID, but we still got to be careful about all of us gathering at one place and hanging out, uh, especially this time of the year. And, and you're right. It's going to take the right team with the right type of discipline um, to, to limit those opportunities for that virus to spread. It goes back to the relaxed protocols for vaccinated players. The relaxed protocols allow the gatherings. Yeah. They allow the yeah. testing once per week. Yeah. The carrot that was dangled to get a maximum number of players to choose to be vaccinated yeah. is causing problems now right because they should be tested every day they should be wearing masks in the facility i think they need to get to the point where they just say we're treating everybody like they're unvaccinated probably until we get this under yeah. control league-wide they need to do it and they need to be working with the union to do it and the union needs to be willing to reach some agreements for the greater good of the game because look as long as the games are played everybody's getting their money but but we, we want the games to be played with the best possible players and i don't know that that's a priority for the union the union's priority is going to be first and foremost, becoming sufficiently comfortable that all the money's going to come in. And I think it's going to take a hell of a lot for any money to not come in, for any games to be canceled. At the end of the day, the NFL is going to fight and scratch and claw to play every game as scheduled. All right, um, the fake vaccination card issue, even though the NFL isn't trying to get to the bottom of it, it still kind of hovers over the league, and it hovers definitely over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they have two guys, Antonio Brown and Mike Edwards, who have one more game to serve on a suspension. They'll miss the Sunday night game between the Buccaneers and the Saints. Here is Bruce Arians, coach of the Buccaneers, on the question of what ultimately will happen with Antonio Brown when his suspension ends. Will he stay with the team or will he be released? Here's Arians. When do you make a decision on Antonio Brown? Uh, probably later in this week. And what are you leaning towards? Uh, it could go either way right now. really could. What's it based on? Uh, just continuing where where those two guys are at and, um, and where the team is at. Yeah, and look, few believe that they're seriously thinking about doing this. I don't believe it. I'll just say that right off the bat. I, there's one angle that I'm going to explore later today that I have reason to believe may be a factor. He's got incentives that he's close to reaching, and I think they're a oh. little pissed off, frankly, at him for what he's done, so right. they don't want him to earn his incentives. Yeah. Last year, they made sure they fed him some passes in Week 17 to give him a little free money. Right. This year, I think they – and I talked about this the other day with Mike Golick, and I wasn't aware of this angle because I said, what if they just want to keep him on ice? What if they just don't want anyone else to have him – they want to keep him around on the roster, uh, and they just don't want to play him. Uh-huh. And if there if there are incentives they don't want him to earn, that's a reason to keep him around. And maybe he just can't. You know, he's he's he becomes break glass in event of emergency option in the postseason. Yeah, you you shut him down for the rest of the regular season, and you keep him around in case you need him for the postseason. And if you need him, fine. If you don't, fine. But then you don't have to worry about him showing up playing for another team. Yeah, I, I think that's a real possibility. I do, and I, I think that if you were legitimately mad, it it is not a bad way again to. Kind of stick it to Antonio Brown, but also protect yourself, like you're saying. And more importantly, I mean, if you're Tampa Bay, you'd go, you know, again, the competitive thing. And I'm, I'm sure Arians and Brady and everybody are thinking about this. I mean, yeah, they don't want to see they don't want to see Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and got to go up there all of a sudden late January and they got to go, damn, you know, Green Bay is pretty good. And now they got Antonio Brown with Devontae Adams. That could be an issue. I, I'm sure that is part of it. And I'm sure like Bruce Arians and, and company are legitimately pissed off to a degree but yeah are they going to sacrifice you know another Super Bowl over it that's where I don't necessarily buy it I could see the, your your op, your option as far as putting him on ice being a real thing 
They're not desperate for him. They're not. I mean, we know Godwin, Evans are really damn good. Gronkowski, when he's on the field, that's the other third mismatch, and you just go, whoa, okay, good luck. What do you want to do? You know, I don't know the status of Scotty Miller right now. I know he came back, but I don't know. I think he got hurt again. Maybe I'm, I'm mis not remembering that correctly. Uh, they got other guys on the roster. They're not as good as Antonio Brown, but again, it's not like they're depleted of, you know, star or talent on the offensive side of the ball to where they have to have him. You know, when they have him, it's almost unfair and unstoppable as far as all the weapons and trying to match up across the board. And maybe they look at it like that and just go, hey, the hell with it. We'll just do it. He's a jerk. We know that. We know what we signed up for anyways. And let's go on from there. And they'll win a Super Bowl and bygones will be bygones. But uh, I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to cut him or release him and just let him be free to go to some team that might upset them in the, the playoff uh, race. Yeah, and that's the reality. Guys get second chances, and it's always better for a good player to get his second chance with the team he currently plays for. And if yeah. there's, there's a way to thread the needle to send a message to him and still keep him around, maybe they do that. That's what He's they're doing now, right? Don't catches. you think? Oh, sorry, Mike. I didn't. I didn't mean. It, but that's what but, I feel like they're doing now, right? It's, I think they're. This is all just a, you know, a pot. Kind of like you know, you you did bad. You're bad. We're still thinking about this. They're they're kind of putting him in his place this way. At least that's the way it feels. Well, that's right. It's part of the punishment. Yeah. Make him spend the three weeks worrying about right. the possibility that he's going right. to be cut. He's got four touchdown catches. If he gets another $333,000, he earns in incentives. If he gets to seven, he gets another 333000 on top of it. He's got 418 receiving yards. If he gets to 600, 333000 If yeah. he gets to 800, 333,000. Now, 800 may be unrealistic. He's going to have three games left, but he could get to 600. He's a 418. It's a real He's thing. He's got 29 catches. Yeah. If he gets 50, he gets 333,000. So, you know, there's a million or so realistically floating around out there that they can keep him from earning if they just don't play him those final three weeks of the season. And uh, that may be the middle ground. That may be the way for them to, to keep him around, but keep him from getting that extra money, and they send their message that way it's kind of a de facto fine uh -huh. over and above the money that he's lost by not playing in the last three games but uh yeah the, look, the worst case scenario is he goes to green bay and he's the difference when the bucks right. and the packers get right. together again this year in the playoffs that's the absolute worst case scenario yeah no that that is, that's exactly right you know you look at the rest of the nfc and you go eh I don't know if there's another – I mean, who knows? Maybe the Rams would sign him. They lost Robert Woods. Maybe they'd do it too. You know, the 49ers, maybe they'd be in Splash that – Splash the pot. I, I know. Freddie right. Freddie Freddy KGB, KGB goes Splash. all in once again. <laughs> I know. Uh, but, but you know, this, 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 this bonus stuff, it is a real thing too. Again, teams are into, che you know, balancing checkbooks. I know it's, it's a drop in the bucket for them to think about $900,000, a million, but at the end of the day, it does make a difference in their bottom line and other areas. And I, I can remember, I can speak specifically one year, 2005, the, you know, the year I got to play my most and, and uh, play in the playoffs. We got towards the end of the year down there in Tampa and Ike Hilliard had a similar thing. Last two weeks, remember Ike Hilliard, right? Florida, Florida Gator, really good NFL player, you know, whooped your Vikings on that NFC championship day when he was with the Giants. You know, you remember that day? It was a great day. And but he was getting close, Mike. He was like five, six catches away from earning like, you know, a $500,000 bonus and then like a touchdown away from getting another 500000 And they, they told him, 
hey, we we might play some young guys here in this last game. We, you know, maybe you sit out and just get healthy for the playoffs. And of course, he was like, no, absolutely not. I'm playing. Like, you can't do that to me. And uh, it, it's not uncommon, you know, let alone with some of the issues that are around the situation altogether. That's why I hate those incentives. Yeah. Uh, Team-based incentives be fun. The incentives right. in Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract are great because it's based on playing time and achievement by the team. Right. Uh, the, the, these individual ones, when you get close, the deci- the decisions made in the best interest of the team. And, and I look at it this way. It's very simple. If you save a million dollars, it's not about money that's getting crammed in anyone's pocket. Yeah. It's a million dollars that gets carried over to next year that's on your right. salary cap. Right. And you can you can go out and afford a player who make right. make a difference for you. So that's a reason to do it as well. But uh, it's a great way to to find a middle ground for the Buccaneers and maybe that's what they do. They keep him, but we don't see him again until the playoffs when they need him if there's someone who's banged up. And they just kind of try to beat him down a little bit to make sure he understands that they're not happy with what he did. And they shouldn't be happy with what he did. But they're not so unhappy with what he did that they're going to take a principled stand. Yeah, they take a ring off their finger. The Green Bay Packers or the Rams or the Cardinals or whoever they can encounter between now. Or the Chiefs. Yeah. Maybe it's Bucks Chiefs in the Super Bowl again. Oh, they'll get them. You're right. There's no doubt. And this is, I mean, as we talk this through, you know, I'm sitting here right now. I'm telling Bruce Arians, don't do it. Don't let him go. I know, whatever. He's a jerk. And Bruce Arians probably is legitimately mad at him because of the, you know, the circumstances we've talked about. Older guy There's- has had health issues. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, if I was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't let him go. I'd look at him in the corner of the eye and want to go, you, but I wouldn't let him go. Whoa. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for not repeating any of the dialogue yeah. from Bad Santa on our live broadcast. <laughs> no problem. Strong R is Bad Santa. Uh, I can tell you one team that the Buccaneers may encounter on the path to the championship that will not sign Antonio Brown. There is one team I can guarantee you won't sign it. The Patriots won't sign it. The I Patriots would agree with have that. had their yes. experience with Antonio Brown. Right. He will not be back for a variety of reasons, some of which can be found on Google from things he said, uh, things he's done. He will not be back in New England. They don't have to worry about that. Let's take a break. There's another report that's emerged about the investigation of the Washington football team that maybe sheds further light on why the NFL is trying to hide the details. It's also giving one congressional committee even more incentive to pursue those facts. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Washington Post reported on Tuesday afternoon that Daniel Snyder, through lawyers and private investigators, allegedly may have, and you could tell the lawyers vetted this very carefully because they're dealing with someone who has a history of being litigious, but allegedly may have tried to interfere with the investigation of the Washington football team. There's one allegation, for example, that a person who received a $1.6 million settlement after a claim was made in 2009 was actually offered more money. And again, this is an allegation, offered more money to not cooperate, to not talk about the settlement. Eventually, Beth Wilkinson, who investigated the situation, did get an opportunity to speak to the person who who received the $1.6 million settlement. There are other allegations and incidents based upon review of court records and interviews with more than 30 people. This was great work done by the Washington Post, indicating that there was potentially, allegedly, possibly a feeling of intimidation on behalf of the folks who were in a position to provide information. The information was still provided, but again, the information that is concealed from us includes whatever Beth Wilkinson would have included included in her report about the efforts of Snyder to obstruct the process. You know, we've seen this a few times in recent weeks where, on one hand, the party being investigated says, I'll fully cooperate. And then when the time comes to cooperate, they obstruct and object and raise privilege concerns and all sorts of things that show they're not willing to cooperate. And this gets back to my original conclusion that I made July 1 when the news broke of the punishment for Snyder and the Washington football team, but also the position they weren't going to share any information. They don't want all of this to come out. This is just more that would make it untenable for Daniel Snyder to consider, because not only would a Beth Wilkinson report that would have been made public, Chris, have included all the things that she concluded happened at the facility on his watch, but it would have included a section on the efforts of Daniel Snyder based on her assessment of the situation. And she wrote a letter at one point that accused Snyder of trying to silence that accuser. The report would have included that too. And it would have made it even harder for Snyder to continue. That's what this is all about. Concealing the evidence, concealing the facts, hiding the information that if we knew it, there would be a groundswell full boil immediately that he had to go. They're trying to keep that from happening. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it. I mean, again, I don't know. I don't find any of this surprising. What? I mean, a billionaire or a guy with money or a guy with power tries to play the power card to conceal information that might be bad against him? I mean, I'm not surprised to hear this at all. I, in fact, I'm, I'm shocked it hadn't come out earlier. It's what I would have expected, honestly. Goes on in all walks of life now, especially like you're talking about. I don't know. Just seems like more than now than ever. It doesn't even have to be billionaires. It could just be rich, famous athletes. I can get into guys in the NFL where I'd go, they tried to silence certain people, didn't want them to talk. <laughs> Ball boys in New England. Um, so 
that's what goes on. I don't know what to say. I mean, yeah, but here, here's the other thing, Mike. Like, this is what I don't understand. The NFL is so great. It's a rolling machine. Why, why are they going to such great lengths to protect a Daniel Snyder? You know, that's where I guess I'm a little confused. It, it's, 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 it's like I said, I mean, it's just it's a money-making machine. Why even flirt with the dangers of this? That's where I'm a little surprised, especially if they knew some of this was going on behind the scenes and everything. Why wouldn't they want to rid themselves to a degree of something or somebody so controversial and, you know, can can ultimately bring a lot of bad press and hurt the league, you know, through, you know, the House committee and everything else. That's where I'm I'm a little surprised by the NFL throughout this whole thing. It's an excellent question, and I, I can raise two points right. to help explain it. First, by protecting Snyder, they protect themselves. Yeah. By not creating a roadmap or potentially what they would view as a treasure map for disgruntled employees of other NFL teams or other businesses owned and operated by the owner of those teams, you don't give up your power to someone who can make allegations against you. And, oh, it's false. Well, maybe it isn't false. Well, maybe it is false. Who knows? But it creates an incentive for someone to make those allegations because now when you threaten that person with litigation over something that you believe happened that violated your rights in some way, you have an extra bit of leverage. It's not just how much could I get in court. It's not just... How much of a public embarrassment could this be for you? And it is legitimate to factor that into your assessment of the value of a piece of civil litigation involving a high-profile individual. It's also, hey, if this goes somewhere, the house of cards is going to cave in. You're going to have to sell the team. If all this comes out, you got a problem just like Daniel Snyder. So they're doing what they can to conceal all of the Snyder information because they don't want to create a precedent that we're would require full transparency if these things happen in the future. Because you could start having, this person's got to sell, then this person's got to sell. Now this person's got to sell. And I think that's why they're doing it. And also, they're making the value judgment that they would rather be scrutinized and criticized for coming up with these flimsy, cockamamie reasons for not providing the information. And this is why Roger Goodell's getting $65 million a year. He stood up at the press conference in October, and he peddled their BS reason for not providing any information. Well, we have to respect the employees who didn't want to come forward, and we told them we'd protect them. You, you can still—we've been down this road 50 times. Yeah. You can still provide the information about what was done without giving a person's name. It happens all the time. Use initials. Jane Doe, John Doe. That's easy to do. But they're willing to take those bullets. They're willing to take that heat. Roger Goodell's willing to stand up there— and offer up something that would be best described with the initials B and S. He's willing to do that because it's better than the alternative. See, that's what makes me think they are hiding something massive here. They are hiding something that would bring down Snyder and possibly, possibly reverberate all the way to 345 Park Avenue because how in the hell did you people let this go on for so long? Yeah. It's so bad. Right. It's so, it's so toxic. And it was so prevalent. How did you not let or have this stopped sooner? That, yeah, I think that's yeah. part of it. So maybe the league's also protecting itself here. Yeah, it makes because sense. Because if we knew how bad it was, 
maybe the ivory tower on Park Avenue would come crumbling down. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it, it does seem that way. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, at least in my mind. It does. I, I just, I just would have thought at some point, if it really was that bad, and I mean, all your points, you, I know, I know, they don't want to set precedents. Oh, they did this. Oh, you're sued. You got to get out of here. You're not an owner anymore. I get that. But if it was so bad, like to where it's like, wow. That's where I would think, man, they would think about just cutting ties and saying, okay, see you later. Like, we, we can't deal with this. You know, and again, he won't Mike, do maybe, it, though. He won't do it. I know. He won't I guess go it's him. A fight. He's got to go. And, and if that's they get what different. A fight, right. It's all coming out. Is that's what. And that's why, you know, again, I don't remember, you know, me. I'm, I'm Johnny football guy more than some of this stuff at times. But, like, is that what basically happened in Carolina? You know, not trying to. You know, bring up other dirty laundry there, there. But like, as far as did they just have an owner there who was okay? Things were not right. I'm just willing to sell and get the hell out of here and go on. Or was, what was the difference there, Mike? Here's what. Here's the biggest difference. Yeah. The biggest difference yeah. is Jerry Richardson did not have anyone that he wanted to hand the reins to the team to. Daniel Snyder is determined to give that team to his kids. Gotcha. Richardson was just going to sell anyway, either before he died or his okay. estate was going to sell. Gotcha. So when it hit the fan for him, yeah. he just handed the keys over. Right. And and what, what happened with him, there were multiple non-disclosure agreements that had been signed as a result of settlements of claims that were directed at him. Things that he said or did, he settled those. The NDAs were breached, which as a former lawyer I got a problem with because that's part of what you get compensated for when you settle these cases. That's part of what your lawyer negotiates. You get extra money to agree to not say anything about it later. Someone talked. Multiple people talked and it brought down Jerry Richardson, but he didn't fight. He wasn't wired to fight. He he sold and he got two and a half billion dollars from David Tepper. Yeah. People said, oh, that's some punishment. Well, what's, what's he supposed to be? Be stripped of the team altogether and not right. get fair value for it? He founded the freaking team yeah. in 1995. Right. But Snyder would fight. Snyder is determined to give that team to his kids. So that that's that's why uh, we have a different situation here. Gotcha. And again, it would be very easy. Look, look at how easy it was to bring down John Gruden. If they wanted to bring down... Daniel Snyder, there's probably just a few documents they could yeah, peel off yeah. of the stack, right. a couple of paragraphs that Beth Wilkinson could put together that would bring down Daniel Snyder like that. Okay. They don't want to do it. And and I really do. I hadn't thought about the angle of the league office protecting itself. Yeah. Remember the emails between Bruce Allen, the Washington executive, sure. and Jeff Pash, the general counsel? You know, what did you know? When did you know it? What should you have done? How did you let this go on? It, it it has it has shades of the Ray Rice scandal where what did you know, when did you know it, and why didn't you do something about it? And Mike Silver, who worked for about eight years with NFL Network, said last week on Tim Kawakami's podcast that in the building, because when you work for NFL Network, people don't realize this. It's not some licensed brand like Sirius. You know, Sirius XM has NFL radio. It's licensed to Sirius to use that. The NFL owns and operates NFL Network. You're in the building. You're part of the league when you work for NFL Network. And Silver said, for the people in the building, there was a real sense it could bring down the whole operation once the Ray Rice stuff hit the fan. So they have that experience filed away. I, I think there may be an incentive to prevent 
not just another owner being brought down, but maybe to prevent a commissioner from being brought down. If we knew everything that happened in Washington, people started saying, hey, Roger, how in the hell did you let this go on for so long? Yeah. You were here as the commissioner the entire time this decade of heinous behavior was happening at the Washington football team. Where's the league office in protecting these individuals? It's a very powerful argument, yeah. and it could spiral out of control quickly for the league if it ever got to that point. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I mean, that's it's scary stuff as far as for 345 of the league as far as that's concerned. All right, and then here's the other aspect, Mike. I mean, seems like even this, you know, you brought up Gruden and the hit job there a little bit. Like this, this I mean, perfectly released story the day before the owners are going to meet. Right. I mean, I mean, again, it's of course, it seems somebody's still trying to get Daniel Snyder here. And I don't know what the ramifications of doing it at the league meeting other than maybe Daniel Snyder looks like a jerk in front of other owners or the fact that they all are going to be with a microphone in their face now and have to answer these questions. I mean, what do you think the the value of that being released the night before all this happens? And, and let's not blur the lines here between what was done to John Gruden. I know. Because what I was know. John right. – look, John Gruden got what he deserved, but the way it was done to him was wrong. Yes. There's pending litigation right. in the NFL. They may have gotten an extension, and, and the lawyers agree to extensions all the time, of the deadline for responding to his complaint because that's coming. I think it's already passed, and, and they may have gotten some sort of a, an ability to do it later. But as it relates to this article, this is about the media – Timing, if if this was part of the planning by the Post, timing it just right to put maximum pressure on the league, to dust off the story at a time when, for example, the $65 million per year pincushion is going to be speaking to reporters at the conclusion of these meetings. Right. And he's going to get more of the same that we saw in October. It got so bad. I don't know if we've talked about it here, but I wrote about it. It got so bad during that last press conference that they actually rushed the microphone to Tim Graham of The Athletic because he covers the Bills and they wanted him to ask a question about the Bills stadium situation to change the topic. Yeah, I remember that. Because it that. was becoming a feeding that. frenzy. Yeah, right. Yeah, so... Uh, now and so I, I this I applaud the strategic use of the media to put maximum pressure on a situation that otherwise, without any oxygen, the fire doesn't burn. And we talk about this all the time. There's bright shiny objects. We got one Thursday. We got two of them Saturday. We got them Sunday. We got games. We got games. We got games. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. We've got football games for you. It's hard for stories that need to stay alive to actually remain alive. So well done by the Post. I'm sorry if the league doesn't like me saying that, but well done by the Post to pick the right time to 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 blow on the embers and get the fire going again. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is as far as that. You're right. It lights a fire under the whole subject again where it, it had died out. I mean, the, the NFL had taken its blows like we talked about. And two weeks after that Roger Goodell press conference, everybody was done talking about the, the Washington subject. Well, they're back on it now. And there's a big, you know, a big telescope on it as well. I mean, so I'll be interested where I thought it was a mistake last time for Roger Goodell to have a press conference. I want to see if, is he going to do it again? I'd go like, well, why? What do you got to do? Yeah, I don't know if you can do any good in this situation by talking and taking questions here. I don't think there's any way to get out of it and look like, man, that that went well. We look good after that. I, I, I don't. I mean... If I was advising them, I'd go, 
let's not have a press conference. Maybe you want to make a statement, say something, sure, blah, 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 but don't take questions and have to answer things that you're not going to have a good answer for. That would be so glaring because they always have the commissioner yeah. available to reporters who gather at these ownership meetings at the conclusion of the meetings. Now, what they did that was unconventional in October, they trotted him out at the end of the first day, right. not at the end of the meetings, right. without much notice. I think they were hoping that they'd have minimal reporter presence and dilute the ability of the questions to be asked, but they're just going to have to deal with it. And this is part of what he gets paid for, Chris. This is part of what he gets paid for, to stand up there with a straight face and offer up whatever story, whatever argument, whatever position the oligarchs want him to peddle. So this is one of the days per year that he earns his money. And I'm not saying that facetiously. That's why he's there and that's why he's getting that money in part is because he's the one that takes those slings and arrows so the owners don't have to. And here's another reason why this isn't going away. There's still a congressional investigation. The House Oversight and Reform Committee still pursuing the information that was generated by the Washington football team investigation. And a statement was issued last night by the two chairs of the committee. It's become clear that Daniel Snyder's words and actions regarding the investigation into the Washington football team do not align. This is from Carolyn Maloney, the chairperson of the committee. While Mr. Snyder publicly stated he wanted independent investigators to ferret out the truth, today's reporting from the Post suggests that he was privately trying to obstruct the efforts of the very investigator he hired in an effort to conceal damaging information. These disturbing revelations have only strengthened the committee's commitment to uncovering the truth in this matter. The NFL must honor Commissioner Goodell's promise to cooperate with Congress and fully comply with the committee's request for documents. That's another instance where it came up, Chris. Goodell said in October they're going to cooperate. Well, that, we're going to cooperate. Well, they haven't provided anything. And they're playing this privilege game. Well, this may be privilege. That may, that's, all, that's all a fancy schmancy way to try to hide the truth. They're trying to hide the truth, and they're willing to take the heat because if the truth comes out, it's going to cause major, major problems. Whatever they're hiding, Chris, is massive. I'm telling you. My spider sense, my pasta and meatballs gut is screaming. They are hiding something massive. They would not be going to these lengths if it wasn't massive. Uh, Mike, I, I mean, first off, I'm always a believer in your, your pasta and meatballs gut. And, I mean, as the more time goes on, I'm, I'm kind of with you. You know, I, I don't know if I would have bought into that you know, earlier this year or earlier this football season. I would just go, well, yeah, there's some things there they don't like. It's going to be bad press. But as this goes on um, and the way they're handling it, yeah, it, it does make me wonder or think that there might be something bigger that's, you know, could, could really hurt the NFL here at play. Remember when Gerardo Rivera busted open Al Capone's vault back in the 80s and there was nothing in there? This, this is a vault that's got something in there. <laughs> And they're going to do everything they can to keep Geraldo or anyone else from busting it open. That's for damn sure. And hopefully they will fail. And they don't like it when I say it, but I'm sorry. The truth needs to come out here. And the harder they try to conceal it, the more determined people should be to get to it. We're going to get to break when we return. It's our Wednesday in-season tradition. After further review, questionable or bad or interesting calls from the weekend that was. We'll talk about those when PFT Live continues right after this.
NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.